Late Night Conversations with Patricia Anduli, Monday to Thursday, 10 p.m. till midnight. Let's get uh, right into it. Just shut the front door and open the closet. It's time for Closet Conversations. No one under the age of 18 should be tuned in. I'd like to welcome our A-team guest, Tracy Zeman-Jacobs, who's a qualified social worker and an intimacy coach. She's passionate about assisting couples and individuals wishing to transcend another level of intimacy within their relationships. Tracy, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for having me, Patricia. Hi. So today we are getting very intimate, personal intimacy. We talk about the myths and truths about self-pleasure and also how to practice it mindfully. Um, for, for those who might be asking, what is self-pleasure? Let's, uh, let's start it there. So self-pleasure is just a beautiful term that I prefer to use instead of masturbation. Um, generally, masturbation has been a a word used for centuries, really, well, not really centuries, but many, many years, um, which has very negative connotations attached to it. And when we talk about sex positive talk or sex negative talk, um, masturbation fits into that sex negative vocabulary. So I like to use the words self-pleasure because that's really what the act is all about. When um, we talk about masturbation, there's so many negative thoughts that conjure up, well, for me anyway, I see it as an illicit form of behavior done by, um, if you want to call it, naughty teenage boys who gather around um, some porn or um, you know, boys in toilets or in front of computers or uh, religious girls sitting in front of some pornography or some racy novels and um, blushing and carrying on, you know. And really, it's not something to be ashamed of. Even in religious circles, it's scorned upon and any religious leader should find out that young boys and girls are, are self-pleasuring. They are, you know, they really made to feel quite guilty and shameful. So I'd like to change the spin on the actual act and see it as self-pleasuring, which everybody is entitled to in terms of giving self-love to everybody. You know, we're all entitled to self-pleasure, we're all entitled to self-love, it's very affirming, and it should be seen as a very positive experience, even in puberty. Um, Getting to know your body, falling in love with yourself, and there are ways in which we can do it and reframe it so that it is not seen as a dirty act, something that we should not be doing. We should be encouraging our teenagers to do it, getting in touch with their bodies, learning what they like, learning what they don't like, and just changing this um, this preconceived ideas that that self pleasure is bad. Well, before we even go to the the, the, the beauty that you describe of self pleasure, let's talk about the cons because obviously there there should be some cons. We've heard of people who are so addicted to self pleasuring that yes. they 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 don't know where to cut it out. Yes, 
Okay. So, of course, everything in moderation is good. Everything in excess is bad. So, if self-pleasure is becoming a daily thing or more than twice a day, it then becomes something that is an addiction or something that is, if it becomes something that you cannot do without, that it ruins your, it interferes with your daily function and it becomes something that you cannot manage. It becomes, your life becomes unmanageable and you become secretive about it and it interferes with your work, with your family. That is an addiction. And that, of course, is not not good. So anything to the extreme of something is not good. And yes, masturbation or self-pleasure, that actually then becomes a negative. Uh, it's no longer self-pleasure. That is now abuse. And there are lots of people who take porn um, and are addicted to porn and therefore become completely disconnected with their their bodies and are no longer connected in a mindful, conscious way with self-pleasuring. It now just becomes an unmanageability in their lives and a complete disconnect with themselves. Because what is addiction? The opposite of addiction is connection. So whatever your poison is and whatever substance or behavior you're addicted to, means that you're disconnected from yourself. A-teamers, do join in as we speak. uh, Myths and truths about self-pleasure. We are talking to Tracy Zeman-Jacobs. And uh, the number that you can get us on is 011-714-2006. WhatsApps go to 0614104107. And you can also SMS on 41391. Tracy, you said that it's quite healthy for uh, teenagers to be masturbating and we should encourage this. And I'm looking at a stat here. Although it's a very specific to the United States. It says that um, uh, adolescents between the ages of uh, 14 to 17 um, in the United States, around 74% of the males and 48% of females are masturbating. And then Mm -hmm. taking it to the adults, it says roughly 63% of men and 32% of women between 57 and 64 years of age are masturbating. So for the teenagers, how do we encourage healthy self-pleasuring well first we take away the stigma around um, body shaming and we actually put it into positive sex talk we encourage them to spend time with their bodies in a positive way touching themselves for the for exploration and to encourage a sense of self-love instead of, um, you know, so let me put it to you this way. A young girl who knows how to please herself will not be hiding around the shed at school with a boy giving him a blowjob because this young girl will be saying, hang on a second, what's in it for me? Because when she knows the power of her own orgasm, she won't be so quick 
to be to be wanting to um, be pleasing another boy for no for no outcome itself. Hold up, Tracy. And, are you saying these things happen in schools? Oh my God, yes. <laughs> oh, so, so I or, went or to a girls-only school in high school, and I didn't yeah. experience such. Wow. Woo. Okay, I've you got know, a lot coming in for me as my kids grow older. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. And you know, girls are getting more and more sexually active, and boys. I would say it's, it's younger than when we were younger, but um, it's just that young people have really very little self-regard for themselves. Their self-esteem is very low, and this is indicative of teenagers across the board, universally. Well, I wouldn't say really universally because there are countries in the world where teenagers have a really good sense of self and they're not look, seeking um, assurance, reassurance in the arms of boys. They have a good sense of self. But where we're dealing with low self-esteem in teenagers, they will seek any means of, of attaining self-worth from men or boys. And we see this in cyberbullying lately. You know, they will be pressured into showing body parts to be liked. And then, of course, it backfires on them where the photograph of their breasts or their genitals gets passed around from boy to boy to boy. And then there's body shaming and there's cyberbullying. And this young girl's left with a lot of shame and guilt around her body and really it's just because she wants to be liked and she wants to be seen. Now a a young girl who knows her own power as a woman, a young woman in this world who is self-pleasuring and knows the power of her own um, body will not be so quick to be sending out those photographs. She's like, hang on a second, what is in this for me? Why am I searching outside for gratification or for um, affirmation when I'm getting it myself hmm. you won't find her give it so quickly uh, so quick to give away her virginity or to be pleasing young boys inappropriately if she knows her self-worth and I always say that the best way to develop self self-esteem is to pleasure oneself where one, when you're telling yourself that I love you, when you are your own best lover during self-pleasure, it's when you are being your own lover, touching yourself intimately, bringing yourself to orgasm, and you're affirming yourself, I love you. Just like when you're with a lover and your lovers bring yourself to orgasm during lovemaking, and the words come out of your mouth saying, "In, in the heart of passion, I love you, I love you, this is what you can say to yourself during this very, very intimate experience with yourself. And that is the height of self-esteem when you can tell yourself, I love you because I'm pleasing you. I'm pleasing me. And that is self-esteem. But now there's obviously myths around um, self-pleasuring. I mean, there's the myth that uh, you'll grow unwanted hairs on your uh, hands and fingers and everyone will know that you've been, uh, you know, <laughs> self-pleasuring, playing with your fingers down there. Mm. Well, I mean, we we only have to ask ourselves, is this really true? By doing it and looking at our palms and seeing where their hair is growing there. 
Um, so, I mean, also, a lot of these myths are given to us by religious leaders, um, born from, from parents who want to scare children. Um, it's a lot of nonsense, actually. And unfortunately, as young children, we believe everything that our parents and religious leaders tell us because we haven't, we haven't developed our own adult brain yet. We haven't been able to make sense of our own worlds yet. We, we do tend to believe everything our parents tell us. So it is a tricky situation because our adult, our adult brains have not been developed. So that's the advantage of being an adult in this world and, and being able to check out the, the myths against the truth and saying, hang on a second, am I really fat and ugly compared to these models in a magazine where they starve themselves or where the picture's been brushed up and edited to Helen Gone. Um, how can I compare apples with oranges? Let's just, you know what I'm saying? Where the, where the mind is able to make, we are able to make more rational, logical decisions for ourselves as opposed to being a child, being told nonsense. So, um, I think this is where education and communication has to come in, such as the conversations that we're having right now with our children. And as we spoke about in previous shows, uh, how to talk to children on the Thursday evening, is that it's mostly the parents who have the biggest hang-ups and traumas around their own bodies and their sexualities who cannot have these conversations with their children because they haven't come to terms with their own sexuality yet. Sure. A team is that do join in uh, on 011-714-2006 or WhatsApp on 0614-104-107. Perhaps you've got some myths about uh, self-pleasuring slash masturbation that you'd like to share with us or you are... um, a keen practicer of, of uh, self-love and self-pleasuring. Tell us about it and your experience. Late Night Conversations with Patricia Anduli, Monday to Thursday, 10 p.m. till midnight. Another myth here, Tracy, that I want to talk about is the fact that um, it's been said that the gentle areas of a man when he uh, self-pleasures or masturbates shrink. Is this true? How can that be true? <laughs> well, a lot of people believe it, Tracy. <laughs> Patricia, how can that be true? I mean, let's let's look at that. How does a penis shrink when it's cold? And it actually doesn't shrink. It actually just... Well, it, it kind of does shrink, you know... It, we know that the testicles kind of shrivel when it's cold um, and and the penis kind of like moves into itself, you know, into the skin. Also, when the penis is not aroused, it's flaccid, it's smaller than when it is aroused and erect. It's just not physiologically possible that masturbation or self-pleasure can shrink the size of a penis. It's like saying that too much sex can make the penis shrink. Mm. Because in the sense, you're doing the same thing. You're having sex with yourself. 
Now, on the other side of the spectrum mm. is uh, the myth that says, well, um, if you self pleasure too often, then you could be infertile. Okay, that's also not true because the body reproduces sperm. Um, as your body, it, it regenerates sperm all the time. You cannot run out of sperm. You either have a low sperm count or a high sperm count genetically or hereditary or whatever the case may be. You, it's, it's the same thing as if you have sex twice a day every single day. What, you're going to run out of sperm? Hmm. Okay, let me go to voice notes here. <laughs> hey Patricia, this is Yanda, your Lisa Tanda from Windmill Park. Uh, here our guest here, what our guest is saying. And another thing, what I like to say to my younger brother is, it's not what you called, it's what you answer to. The reason why I like to talk to him and other teenagers is because sometimes it helps communicating with them, as our case said. And another thing, not to lie to them, guys. Like, tell them the truth. And when I say tell them the truth, tell them the truth about life, tell them the truth about sex life, and everything which our parents from the previous life that we were in didn't have the courage to tell us. That's another thing that helps them grow and experience life in a truthful kind of way. Thank you. Thank you, Elisa. There's a message here that says, well, I'm no more shy about self-pleasure. Really, uh, I do it as I'm away due to work. Most of uh, it I do to avoid, uh, I don't know what, but they put dot, dot, dot. Sometimes flashing gets me hard. Is it self-pleasure too, or is it sick? Um, flashing what? That's what I'm asking uh, myself, but I'm sure mm -hmm. he's flashing his male bits. That's what I'm thinking. Well, if he's flashing his um, penis to other people, it's actually indecent exposure, um, if that's what it refers to. But um, self-pleasuring, if he's doing it when he's away from his wife to avoid... Um, cheating that's okay um i have no problem with that i just want to talk about self-pleasure with men and how men need to look at their relationship with their genitalia and with self-pleasuring in another kind of way you know um so often as a teenage boy one is accustomed to self-pleasure very quickly so that they're not caught and it's generally done over a computer, hunched over a computer, hunched over a phone, done in the shower to wash away shame and guilt, done in the bathroom, in the toilet, you know, so that they can really do it very quickly and quietly so that they're not caught. And unfortunately, they develop a habit where it's seen as it's secretive and therefore causing shame and guilt. And of course, we know that anything that's done secretly has this image of being, you know, shameful. Mm. So I'd like to encourage men and boys to start off their experience with their self-pleasure 
in a more dignified manner. And that is by lying down flat on a surface, a bed or a couch, and being conscious and taking things slow. Because when you're trying, trying to just trying to just jack one out very quickly so that you're not caught, this can lead to premature ejaculation and sometimes even delayed ejaculation, erectile dysfunction, and a lot of performance anxiety in relationships. So in order to avoid these consequences later on in life and in relationships, I'd like men to be more conscious, lie down, take the time, take some nice lube, whether it be non-scented um, organic coconut oil, take time with your genitals, um, play with yourselves in the sense that, you know, feel what it feels like to bring uh, bring up your erection, then breathe it down again, um, breathe up your arousal again, and then bring it down again. Um, feel what it feels like. Are you a tip guy? Are you a shaft guy? What if I bring my genitals, uh, my, my testicles in with, play with the testicles as well as the shaft or the tip or whatever the case may be, um, actually bring some dignity into self-love, self-pleasure. Because women, we have to take time. Even when we're making love, it takes time for us to get aroused. We reach, you know, we go through these waves of pleasure, of arousal, whereas men are a lot quicker to actually reach orgasm. So I want men to take a different approach and you know to to lock doors or to put a do not disturb sign out of bed you know just to communicate to family if it's a young boy then i actually want my privacy for a while and to please knock there's nothing wrong with asking for privacy as a young boy and who cares what the family are thinking it's got nothing to do with anybody else uh, I don't know if it's possible, and I do know that some families where lots and lots of people are living on top of each other and there is not much privacy, that sometimes it's not very possible to do this. But maybe you can go to a friend's house or maybe you can just take some time out in another kind of environment to make it more slow and more private and more dignified um, to, yeah, to change the experience. I do understand that in our country, it is hard when lots of people are living in a confined space. So a picture just popped in my mind because you've been talking about males and self-pleasuring and uh, we're looking at teenagers as well. And I asked myself, um, how do you then help your teenager not to... Because obviously when they ejaculate, semen will come out and mm. they don't want to make a mess because it's going to become... <laughs> so what do you say to a teenager, even the female teenagers, because they might end up squirting or whatever it is that comes mm. out. So how do you have the talk and what is it that they need to arm themselves with as they go into the self-pleasure mode? Because some adults Tissues. might need this as well. Tissues. Tissues, toilet paper. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Simple Just as be- that equipped with some tissues, toilet paper, and, and make sure to wipe it up afterwards, flush it down the toilet, or put it in a dustbin, in a, maybe a little packet, plastic bag or something, put it in the dustbin, and just be mindful that if you want to keep it private and discreet, and you don't want everybody in the family knowing, or whatever the case may be, just 
And if you are a squirter as a young girl, put a towel down and um, yeah, make sure that you clean up after yourself. Let me go to a voice note. Okay. Dumela Patricia and your lovely guest, that she does not mean say words when she talks about self-pleasure, <laughs> self-pleasure, that you finish them, she finishes. Oh, it reminds me of English grammar at the high school level. Let me ask a simple question. Let's say 14-year-old virgin, she removes a hymen, that is a membrane, that shows you that this is still a virgin. She fingers herself, or should I say she inserts her finger into her vagina. If this girl has done that, this girl has never, never had sex with a boy, do we still regard her as a virgin? Virgin without a hymen that has been removed. Do we still regard this girl as a virgin? It is a question I'm posing to you, our lovely Shalaka. Good evening, lovely people. Well, let's uh, take the question straight to Tracy. Tracy? Lovely question. She still is a virgin. She has not been penetrated by a penis. She is definitely still a virgin. And the truth of the matter is that um, she, you know, she hasn't had sexual intercourse. So that's something to, to identify. The truth is, is that the hymen can be broken without intercourse. Some girls, their hymen just, you know, if you're a dancer or a gymnast and you're doing a lot of physical exercise, you're doing the splits, you um, shouldering your leg, that means you're taking your leg up, you know, like ballet dancers do. The hymen can break anyway. If you're using Tampax or tampons, and you're inserting those during your menstruation cycle, you can rupture the hymen. It is actually not as, um, it's, it's quite delicate, the hymen. You can um, break the hymen, or it can actually just be broken naturally. Not all sexual penetration means that the hymen can be broken that way. So that's a good question. So, but does, can fingering um break the hymen i'm not sure but i assume it can if you go really really deep Mm, if you go really really deep i mean you'd have to have really long fingers and you know i would have to i would be corrected to to actually say yes or no so uh, i'm going to take the fifth on that one (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Good question. So, there's, there's another uh, comment here from Voyo, who's in Bloemfontein, who says, Patricia, I think self-pleasure kills the natural impulse to have sex with actual people. To desexualize ourselves like this is wrong. I think these myths exist to encourage people to have sex with each other. What's your take on this, Tracy? Okay, I, I appreciate everybody's difference of opinion. My opinion is that it's on the on the basis that the more you do it, the more you want it. And I deal with a lot of couples in sexless marriages. And the more you switch off your pleasure zone, the more we can live without it forever. Am I right, Patricia? Especially as women. Um, if we switch off our pleasure zone as women, we can go without sex forever. 
Whereas with men, and of course I'm generalizing, because they've got outies and we've got innies. They've got a penis on the outside. We've got generally our uh, all the nerve endings are in our clitoris, which exists mostly inside our vulva. And um, for us to get stimulated, we really need to self-stimulate. Whereas for men, they have, the minute they feel arousal, they have their underpants and then their, their jeans or their trousers that reinforce that arousal. They also are in touch with themselves all the time. They wake up with an erection, they go to the bathroom, they the toilet in the morning, they touch themselves. In the shower, they outwardly touching themselves, showering and, you know, and we shouldn't actually be washing the inside of our vulvas either, by the way. Um, they, they just, if they do get horny during the day, they can go to the toilet and just masturbate quickly. We can't. We need, everything is inside and we cannot just sit at our desks and, and just have a little jiggle there. We also, you know, the men <laughs> sit in front of the TV and it's a natural reaction. They sit down, switch on the TV and their hands go in the pants. So I mean, it's, it, it, it's, like, it's a, a bit of a process for us women as opposed for the men. Correct. Sure. So the thing is, is that men are very much in touch with their physical bodies, with their genitalia. And so for them to become aroused is a lot easier to hold their erection and to, to masturbate is a lot easier. Anyway, the, 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 the bottom line about that is that the more we stimulate our sexual energy in our body, the more we want to be sexually involved or sexually active in our relationships. For people whose sexual energy is lying stagnant, is not moving within the body, the more it just remains stagnant. We have to wake up the sexual energy if we're not having sex, we need to be making love to ourselves so that we stir the sexual energy within our bodies and we move it in our, around in our bodies. The, the, the root chakra where the sexual energy sits in our bodies is at the base where our genitalia sit. And if that is not active, we cannot be creative in this world. At the root chakra is where all the creativity begins, life begins in the root chakra. That's where babies are, are made. That's where all our creativity in the world starts. And if we need to ignite that so that we can start to feel like sexual beings in this world, also in terms of being creative in this world. So... I think it is absolutely essential that we, if we're not self-pleasuring, then we must be having sex. We must be touching our partners. We must be engaging in sensual practice with ourselves or with our partners to, to continue to flow that sexual, that sensual energy, that sexual energy through the body all the time. Otherwise, we may as well be dead. You understand? So choose. Choose your poison. Self-pleasure, 
three times a week or have sex three times a week. It's up to you. <laughs> sure. So I was not even aware that sexual energy can uh, remain stagnant. Let me go to a voice note. Hi. I totally disagree with this lady as far as to say that a woman who regularly um, pressures herself by means of her fingers actually remains a virgin, whether she breaks a human or not. After all said and done, I've dated a woman that, for argument's sake, she was so big, or wide rather, that it would have been difficult for any man on a wedding night to believe that she was still a virgin, even though I knew at that time that she was an habitual pressure, uh, self, uh, um, uh, pleasure, uh, to put it that way. So please, for the love of it, be honest. There is no way such a woman can remain a virgin. It has nothing to do with a penis entering a woman's vagina. If she penetrates herself by means of the fingers, she opens up herself to the extent that she can no longer be regarded as a virgin. Okay, let me go to a break. Tracy, after this, Mm. we're going to address uh, this issue of a virgin who has uh who's so wide because of fingering herself but after the break late night conversations with patricia Dooley, monday to thursday 10 p.m till midnight we are talking about myths and truths around self-pleasuring and also doing it mindfully. Our guest is Tracy Zimmern Jacobs, who's a qualified social worker and an intimacy coach. Before the break, A-teamers, we got a voice note from one of our A-teamers saying that uh, he was confident that this particular lady that he was with was a virgin, inverted commas, because she had never had uh, sexual intercourse with a man, but she was a habitual um, masturbate her and her vagina was so wide so he wants Tracy to clear the air on that. Tracy? Okay so um, so I've done the um, I've actually gone into Google here just to get some clarity um, and this doctor has given me some clarity here um, and he's basically echoed what I have said that the hymen can be broken due to sports, um, riding horses, dancing, cycling, anything like that. Uh, the only thing that he does say is that some women, if you do insert fingers far enough, you can actually um, break the hymen. But it's not, it's also, he says, which is I agree with, what do you, what is your um, idea of virginity. For me, the idea of being a virgin is whether or not I've had penetrative sex with somebody or not. That's for me a virgin, whether there's been penis penetration or not. Other women, other girls, people, if you wish to say that uh, define virginity by anything entering the vi- vagina, whether it be a, a penis or a finger or a toy even, you know, a sex toy, then that's your choice. It's about how you want to determine um, 
virginity. Also, fingering cannot cause pregnancy. And that's something as well that is that comes to my mind, is that obviously when a penis ejaculates inside a vagina, then a pregnancy is possible, whereas you cannot do that from self-pleasuring. So it all depends what your idea of virginity is. And my take personally is that self-pleasuring, using a finger, is not breaking virginity. And as I said before, a hymen can be broken in any way. It doesn't have to only be done um, by a penis. Uh, uh, penetration. Okay, this message says um, I don't even know how to do what she's saying and I presume we're talking about self-pleasuring uh, <laughs> to make myself to reach orgasm. How do I mm. show my daughter that? <laughs> right. So self-pleasure 101. Get yourself a very good quality lube, a lubricant and I suggest a silicone lube not a water-based lube, and that you can get even at clicks or Discam, or your famous pharmacy, or even the unscented organic coconut oil. And you simply start off with lying in bed on your own, in the privacy of your own home, where you know that nobody's going to disturb you. And you start with a gentle massage over your body, starting with the breast, the torso, and moving on to your genitalia. And this should be a very slow, mindful process where you are breathing deeply and regularly, your heartbeat is regular, and you slowly but surely start to touch your vulva. And I would like you to imagine that you're with your, your lover, but your hands are your own lover's hands. And very gently, you start to explore the inside of your vulva. Until you start to feel that you are starting to become aroused. And slowly but surely, you move with the rhythm of your own body, responding to your own gentle touch. Initially, it can be quite frightening, and you may feel quite vulnerable touching yourself. And if it's too much the first time, then back off and go back another night or another day or another morning. But Tracy, she asks, how does she then teach her daughter? Do we have to show or teach our daughters or do we just have to give an open environment uh, where they can talk about it? Firstly, she has to do it herself so she knows what it feels like. She might not like it. She might not want to do it herself, but she might want her child to not feel any inhibitions. Well, goes back to my original statement. How do you explain what chocolate cake tastes like if you haven't tasted it yourself? <laughs> okay. Uh, let me go to a voice note. <laughs> yes, Patricia, I wanted to ask you, the, the guest, when men always masturbate, regularly masturbate, most people have always told me that at a later age, when you meet with a woman, it will you will not enjoy the woman like the way you enjoy yourself or you'll take long time to to finish is it true tracy you can take that one 
it it can be true if you are doing it too much. In other words, if you're excessively masturbating um, two three times a day, and you have you develop um, an insensitivity to sexuality to um, to to the sensitivity of of touch and that's why it's very important that you in you accustom yourself to other to other people's touch we need connection with other people and also it's a very different experience when you are touching another person's body and being in contact with another person there is nothing like um, touching somebody else and letting somebody else touch you. We we live. We can't live on an island. We have to be interacting with other people. And so, having sensual, you know, sexual pleasure alone is very different from engaging with another person sexually. Let me and go if you to. Do it, so if you do it too much on your own. It can lead to um, performance anxiety. So you need to have a balance. You have to have a balance, Mm. Anonymous says, your guest is right. Nothing beats laying down and taking time, making love to oneself. As a male, I've discovered so many stimulation zones around the Gentile area, including the anal zone. Mm. And then this one is from Bran. Bran says, um, great conversation. Patricia, can you please ask your guest how um, other women squirt and others don't? I'm just curious to know. So the answer to that is, some women do, and some women don't. Either you're genetically made that way, or you're not. Mm. There's no formula. You can, if if your lover knows how to t- touch you in a certain way, then some women can. But I find that if a, if a lover tries too hard to make you squirt, it can actually hurt. So I wouldn't push it. Either you can or you can't. Sure. And another anonymous says, I'm turning 30 in June and I've been pleasuring myself for over 12 years, uncontrollably so. I'd like to admit I have become an addict in the aspect because I do it more than 20 times a week. A positive message to A-teamers, please do it with some responsibility. Mm. Sure. So it, it, it can it can go over the edge. So you need to find a balance. What can one do when they realize that they're in this situation like Anonymous? Well, firstly, the first step is realization. Um, and then the second would be to, if it's becoming unmanageable in your life, then you need to get some help. You need to go for some therapy and um, work out what is, what is the root cause of the behavior there's always a root cause of the behavior, trying to fill an emptiness that it's like using a drug or overeating, whatever it is, there's a reason for the behavior. So seek help, Anonymous. Tracy, mm. it's already midnight. We've had such a great <laughs> a discussion around the myths and truths on self-pleasuring and also practicing it mindfully. And if there's someone who might need some intimacy coaching, how do they get in touch with you? On my website uh, is one way, 
at www.totallyme.co.za or any social media platform that's Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. And that is at Totally Me Tracy. And that's Tracy without an E. So that's Totally Me Tracy. Thank you so very much, Tracy. I'm looking forward to another discussion with you. Fantastic. Thank you, Patricia. Always a pleasure. Now, A-teamers, I know I've asked you to send us some of your uh, requests uh, in terms of uh, songs from Africa and the diaspora. Well, uh, there's one here from uh, William Mangani, who's in Social Groove, who asked for Miriam Magaba's Gokotwane. We'll play it tomorrow for you, William. So make sure that you are tuned in from at 10 until midnight. Well, this is already it's tomorrow. It's Thursday already. It's one minute after midnight. Remember to tune in 3 a.m until 5am for Sound Awake with the legendary Mandla Shongwe. From our side of the A-team, may goodness and grace lead you to the great heights of success. Happy 25th of February.